Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, equipping us to grow into a deeper walk with Christ. Part of Night Vision each weeknight. Details at vision.org.au. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective. 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Wednesday, uh, we like to address your questions around Christians and money. Our talkback line open, one 800 Alex Cook, the founder of Wealth With Purpose, is back with us. Hello, Alex. Welcome back to 2020. Hey, Neil. Great to be with you. Alex, let's start with a question that came through last week. And uh, it's interesting because it was quite a deeper topic we were talking about last week around the idea of negative interest rates. But Graham had a question. He said, if we invest in commercial property to reduce bank savings to escape tax during negative interest period, what do you think will happen to the economy after after when interest rates go positive again? I uh, hope that makes sense. Your advice, please, Alex. What are your thoughts here for Graham? Yeah, look, so it's a good question. So if I've understood the question correctly, we're talking about alternatives here. So we talked last week about negative rates, the fact that your bank account may actually be deducting interest rather than adding to it, which is a, a uh, bizarre thought for many of us. Um, and of course, the, the, what we tried to address last week was the idea of where do you put your money in the event of negative rates? And so Graham asked the question here about what would happen if you put it into, say, commercial property versus having the bank? Um, and so the way I would answer that is is going to be pros and cons of any decision you make. The main reason why we keep money in the bank is, A, for emergency purposes. So you should always have three to six months worth of cash reserves in, in the bank. Of course, very unappealing if you're getting negative rates. Um, it's also money you have there ready if you want to do something. So if you want to buy a house in the next year or two or you want to buy a car, you want to have savings ready to go. And that's why we have bank accounts for activities um, where we're going to need the money fairly soon. If you go, say, the commercial path, like Graham has suggested, and there's other property types as well, whether it's retail and so forth, you're taking on a different type of risk. So for example, with commercial property, um, the big attraction to it is you're gonna get yields of somewhere between six to 8%, which is very appealing compared to negative rates sitting in a bank account. However, as anyone who will tell you who's owned, say, commercial real estate in the past, there are a number of challenges. So one, for example, is high vacancy rates. Uh, Like if you look at Sydney City at the moment, courtesy of the lockdowns, uh, you've got 10% vacancy rates in there, which is at a 25-year high, and you'd have to assume that's only going to go get worse, considering um, uh, that we're moving to a work-at-home work at culture. Now, I'm sure that's not permanent, the work-at-home culture, but it will certainly have some permanent aspects to it, where people demand that they work from home. And so there's going to be big trends. So if you buy in commercial property, you're buying an asset that may have high vacancy for a long time, and so therefore that six to eight percent yield is not there at all and you might have a loan attached to the property because obviously commercial property is not cheap um, and so forth so the the main issue to address when you're thinking about negative interest rates is what are my options available to me and we talked last week about all sorts of things whether it's high quality bonds or um, gold and all sorts of different things the main issue is that you understand what it is you're investing in first and foremost Secondly, what are the pros and cons of it and what are the downsides? So, you know, what are what are the risks attached to it? 
And one thing very important with any investment is what is your exit strategy? If you want to get out of that investment, like say commercial property, how are you going to do so? Now, commercial property can often take six months to sell because it's, as I say, it's an illiquid asset. So the, the main issue I think for listeners when you think about negative rates and alternatives, make sure you understand the alternatives very clearly before you go putting your money into them. And uh, for a little more in-depth on those negative interest rates that Alex is predicting, uh, you can listen to last week's podcast. Uh, in fact, uh, some outstanding insights came forward in last week's uh, program uh, on a Ask Alex segment. So you can find that on our uh, podcast page, 2020 page at vision.org.au. Hey, Alex, let's talk about the importance of planning. And uh, just to say, talk back line open, 1-800-316-316. You can leave a question on our Facebook page too, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. You'll find a post there that says Ask Alex. Uh, The importance of planning, Alex, so many of us struggling financially, but one of the key reasons is a failure to plan. So uh, some insights today on how to plan finances. Uh, uh, Why is planning so important? Oh, look, it's firstly from a, I guess, from a Christian perspective, planning is important because it's an act of stewardship. It's it's basically acknowledging that what I have is God's and I want to use it wisely and I want to use it for his kingdom. So it's it's just important as a believer as uh, as an act of good stewardship to plan your finances but of course there's a lot of practical benefits of it too you know less stress you know when you plan things and you know where you're at and you have a, a greater sense of control um, and obviously we know that ultimately god is in control but when you plan things you're going to significantly reduce your stress it's going to have a much better impact on your relationships because as we're seeing you know with the covid crisis but also in general with marriage um, relationships are often very negatively affected by by money in fact it's the number one cause of divorce is financial conflict Um, and so good planning and working together and obviously it applies as much to single people as well but good planning will enhance relationships including your relationship by the way, with God, because money is often a barrier to our relationship with God. You know, people fall in love with it and it becomes a horrible master. So there's all sorts of reasons why financial planning is is so important. Um, yeah, so I, I would encourage people to, uh, to sit down and actually plan it out. We'll talk about, you know, as we go, we'll talk about some of the kinds of areas people should plan for. Some people will be thinking, Alex, uh, you know, aren't we as Christians uh, living by faith? And doesn't that mean a more sort of a freewheeling type of a lifestyle, uh, trusting God for every, uh, you know, the next meal? Is there a biblical basis for financial planning? Oh, absolutely. First thing I'd start with is when someone becomes a Christian, one of the, our key purposes is, in life once you're a believer is to glorify god our lives should point people to jesus and bring glory to him and so that applies very much to how we handle our finances are we using our money in such a way that glorifies god and points people to jesus christ and so in that sense it's absolutely biblical that you plan your finances so that you are doing it in a way that has that eternal purpose in mind and the glorification of God. So that's, I guess, the first part to it. But if we want to look at, say, Jesus's words himself, you know, in Luke chapter 14, verse 28, Jesus says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. 
won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Um, and so what Jesus is saying here is there's a need to plan. Now, if you look at the proper context of that passage, Jesus is actually talking about the cost of being a disciple. If you go back further, he talks about the idea of carrying your cross. So it wasn't necessarily with the intent of finances in mind. Um, however, interestingly, he uses that example and another one a bit further on, which is really about this idea that you need to plan for things. You can't just do things on the spur of the moment because that's likely to lead to unwise decisions much better to sit down plan it out and that way you'll avoid making lots of mistakes hopefully no one will ridicule you um, but nonetheless you certainly need to plan it um, and that's just being wise and a good steward i imagine that depending on who you are you're going to either make a, a fairly basic plan or you're going to get really a whole lot more sophisticated uh, the idea of jotting down your plan on a uh, you know on a serviette sitting at a restaurant uh, there's there's obviously then all sorts of uh, very sophisticated spreadsheets and all sorts of different areas where you might apply planning planning principles to uh, what areas do you think alex that you ought to be thinking of prioritizing in your planning yeah, look, just the initial comment relating to the first part of what you said is I think people should try and keep it simple. If you overcomplicate it, you probably won't do it. So keep it simple would be the first thing I'd say. But in terms of the areas that we should look at, I break it up into a few different categories. The first is what I call your income plan. And your income plan is really around knowing how you're spending your money, how much money is coming into your house. So let's say, you know, you got your salary from what, whatever you do, then you've got your expenses, your outgoing, and then what left over is your surplus. And what you do with your surplus is the ultimate determinant of your long-term financial success. So that is your income plan and trying to make your income as tax efficient as possible and to use that surplus wisely, obviously to to meet your financial objectives, uh, you know, to be able to give generously and so forth. So that's your income plan. Um, many Australians obviously have debt. That's a huge thing in our culture. In fact, we're the second most indebted people on earth and, and therefore we need a debt plan and that is how are you going to use debt wisely so you don't you know, overdo it when you're buying your house but also how are you going to get out of it. So you need a debt plan and of course as believers, our one of our passions of course is living generously. You know, We want to fund God's kingdom. We want to help people in need so you need to have a giving plan. I think Whilst there is a place for, you know, giving from time to time in a, you know, a sort of an impulsive setting, I don't like impulsive giving generally. I think your giving should be planned. Um, so, you you know, you live within your means, but you do it from a heart that's, you know, listening to God as to where he wants you to sow into. So have a giving plan. Then you have your investment plan, which is more about how you're going to build wealth over the time. Over time, now a lot of Christians get a bit uncomfortable with that, with this idea of accumulation, because as they, you know, there's this belief that. Um, you know, money's dirty, but reality is we do need to build wealth for certain things, whether it's building it to give it away or building it to fund retirement so we're not a burden on the economy and so forth. There's all sorts of things why investing is important. And related to that, of course, is retirement. Now, anyone who's heard me for long enough will know I don't actually believe in conventional retirement, but I do believe that ultimately many of us will cease work. We want to be able to fund that and we want to be able to live purposefully 
in in our retirement so you can run your race for Jesus to the very end. And so you need to plan for that. You can't just, you know, get to 65 and just hope for the best. Um, then there's insurance. You know, many people, we live in a fallen world. We always hear stories, and you've seen this, you know, with COVID at the moment, things happen to people that are, that are unfortunate. You know, they get sick, they pass away, and that has a profound effect on the surviving family. And so we need to protect our families by having an insurance plan. And then, of course, the last one is your estate plan, which is what are you gonna, who are you going to leave God's money to? Who are you going to pass your money on to when you finally pass away? So they're the different categories, and we can obviously unpack some of those, but um, they're the categories that I think people should think through and literally put it into writing. And it could be literally you know, one or two pages. It doesn't have to be a massive document. Okay, we might come back to unpack any of those. Listeners might be interested in any of those particular focuses on planning. Let's take a call. 1-800-316-316 to be part of our conversation. You might have a question on our Ask Alex segment. Let's hear from Tina. Hello, Tina. Welcome along. Hello, uh, Alex. Um, I was just wondering two questions. Will negative interest rates affect shares within or without super? Uh, in other words, inside or outside of super. Um, do lump sum payments into super have to be made before pension age? Alex. Okay, let's let's unpack those. First one is: Will negative rates impact shares? Uh, in theory, what affects shares is interest rates rising and falling. So, if we think about a company that's listed on the stock exchange, it has most companies carry some degree of debt. So, if interest rates rise, then the cost of servicing that debt goes up, and therefore the company gets uh, less profitable, if you like. Likewise, if interest rates fall, the cost of carrying that debt uh, diminishes and therefore the company becomes more profitable. So in theory, and I say it's the basic of it, because it's not that simple, there's other factors that affect it, rising rates would be a negative and falling rates would be a positive. Um, I think why negative rates may help the share market to a, to a degree is the fact that many people will pull their money out of the bank and put it into the share market as an alternative because they'll be searching for income, they'll be searching for yield, and that will have a positive impact on the share market. Now, that doesn't mean the share market won't crash or anything like that because there are other factors at play, global events, uh, and, and of course, valuation and so forth. So it's not a simple black and white issue. But overall, as I say, from a profitability perspective, lower rates mean higher profits, higher rates mean lower pro uh, mean lower profits. So um, they're the inverse to each other. So that's why um, shares will be affected in that way. So that's the first Okay, Tina, there was a second part to your question about superannuation. Yes. Do lump sum payments into super have to be made before pension age? Uh, so it's a great question. So what used to happen is that you to put money into super, once you got past age 65, you had to satisfy what was called a work test. Um, that age went up a few years ago to 67, just to be in line with the age pension. And as of the May budget, 
um, that we've just had, um, that's now changing so that from next July, you can put money into super up to age 74, up into including age 74, without any conditions, without any work test. So you can still put money into super up to 74. Not um, this current financial year, you have to satisfy a work test. And the work test is you have to do 40 hours in a consecutive 30 days in order to be eligible once you're above that 67. That's the current rule, but as of July, it goes up to 74, okay, next year. Now, that's the first part of it. The second part to answer though, in terms of before you reach pension age, once someone starts a pension, you can't add to it. You can technically restart it and you can merge it with another pension. So general rule of thumb is you wanna put money in beforehand and that way you then start the pension from your super fund with all the combined money that's the general but you're not there's no nothing stopping you though from having either multiple pensions or restarting your pension and combining it with another one so there's a few solutions there um, in terms of doing it but the general principle is you want to get the money in first before you start a pension as a general rule tina was that helpful yes thank you Uh, tina in brisbane thank you so much for your call And uh, time's almost up here, Alex. Uh, Perhaps let's come back to uh, this idea of planning our finances. You mentioned a a whole lot of areas that you could keep in mind when you're planning. Your income plan, a debt plan, giving, investment, retirement, insurance and estate planning that we've been talking about over recent weeks as well. Perhaps here, coming back to uh, the person who doesn't have much of an idea about planning finances, where would you say you would start to get that plan? As you said, a simple plan, don't make it too sophisticated. Where would you start? Yeah, look, really the starting point for all of this is your income plan. So just in, in basic terms, we, you know, most of us go to work, we've got a source of income of sorts uh, that comes in, we may get Centrelink as well. So we may have a, a couple of different income sources. That's the money coming in. And we want to handle that tax effectively. So some people might want a salary sacrifice, for example, into superannuation. So there's things you can do to make your income more tax effective. But the second part is that we then need to control our expenditure. Uh, so obviously we will have various bills, whether it's rent or mortgages and, and those kind of things, but we want to get a hold of our expenditure. We want to know what it is. And then the key part really to all of this is that there is a surplus left over, okay? Because as I mentioned earlier, the key to getting ahead long-term is what do you do with your surplus? Um, and in simple terms, what I say to people is, what we call the 80-10-10 rule. That is 10% should be giving to God first. So giving um, out of your first fruits is one of the principles there. Um, But giving to God as your starting point, then saving for the long-term. So that's the other 10%. And then try and live beneath your means is the expression I use, not live within your means, live beneath your means and try and live on 80% of your net income. So that to me is a really uh, useful framework. It's not meant to be concrete. It's just meant to be a useful starting point. Um, but as your income increases, so maybe you get promoted or things like that, or you know pay rises, you increase your giving and you increase your saving. So, um, and you keep trying to build up your surplus so that you can meet long-term goals. Because ultimately, using the surplus is about achieving uh, various goals. Whether it's you know saving for a car, whether it's saving for a house, whether it's um, you know saving for retirement. So that surplus is the key thing you want to get out of doing that income plan 
And, uh, you know, there will be those listening who are saying, well, if only I had a surplus. But if you can identify uh, that plan for your income and uh, those other expenses, you might be able to identify a surplus. Great wisdom, Alex Cook. Uh, Let me point people to how they can be in connection with you. Uh, Alex is the founder of Wealth With Purpose, wealthwithpurpose.com, and there's lots of good free books like e-books, the My Tool Kit, uh, free videos and podcast content. Uh, You can follow Alex on Facebook and Twitter. There is an askalex at wealthwithpurpose.com email. And, of course, you can leave a question on our Facebook page too at vision.org.au. Alex Cook, great insights once again. Thanks so much for joining us on 2020. My pleasure. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.